Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. It's great to see everyone this morning. It's great to be with you. It's great to be worshiped with you. If you need an auditorium this morning, would you please stand as we worship? For those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for tuning in as well. It's great to worship with you as well. Please join us as we sing this morning. Let's go.
Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Good to gather this morning. Welcome to Crossroads. Uh, I want to welcome our guests. If you are joining us for the first time or the second time or whatever number you've been here uh, as our guest and you haven't stopped by the Welcome Center, please Uh, It would be our honor to to have a moment to meet you. So please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you um, in the foyer when you're on your way out. Please stop there, and we'd love to connect with you out there. Um, Hey, listen, uh, there's a few things that are quickly coming up on our church calendar. Tonight uh, is our night of prayer and worship. Uh, It's going to be tonight at 6 p.m. right here in the auditorium. So come on out. This is going to be a really special time. As a church family, we're going to pray and we're going to worship the Lord. And uh, just we're going to it's going to be amazing to see what God does, um, how he speaks to us and how he encourages us and see his hand. So come on out tonight at 6 p.m. right here in the auditorium. We're going to have our prayer gathering night of worship and prayer tonight here, 6 p.m. And then on the 30th of January, we have our refuel conference. This is a one day conference and this is our third year hosting. And I encourage you to check out our website. Um, There's. It, sometimes you don't know until you start digging yourself. I mean, that's how I am. And so if I go online and someone says so-and-so is speaking or you're going to see this or that, I have to do my own research. And so I encourage you, go check out some of these speakers. All the information is on our website as well as in your bulletin. Uh, but a few names, uh, Dr. Gary Habermas, he is an incredible uh, distinguished professor over at Liberty University, but specifically he is known for being the authority on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you. He is, he is a great reason to come out to listen to him and be encouraged and challenged um, in, in your walk with Christ. Um, and also, too, um, he's got a little bit more time on his hands, um, but Kent Chevalier is the chaplain of the Steelers. Uh, and so he'll be out, and um, it's really cool to hear his story about how he actually came to be the chaplain at, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so he was actually discipling. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. And so it's really cool to see how God used him. And so he'll be here at Refuel. And uh, Dave Early, who wrote the book, 21 Most Effective Prayers in the Bible, that we're reading uh, for the 21 Days of Prayer, he's going to be there. And then a whole host of breakout speakers. And so you can see the information on our website and you can see which different breakouts maybe would encourage you or you seem interested in. Uh, you can check those out. But yeah, it's 9 a.m. it starts and then we'll have you out and home, uh, before I have you, have you out the door by, before 3 p.m., we're also going to feed you, and it's going to be a really great day. So sign up. It's all free, and I encourage you to share the word, too. Um, use that uh, handout in your bulletin, and then also share the link of our website, and it's on social media. That's Refuel, and that's going to be January 30th, coming up quickly. Uh, and then Crossroads, listen, um, God, uh, we have an update. God continues to move, and I want to share a birthday gift, the Jesus update, uh, 162,000. So that's incredible. So, yes. Yep. Yep. So we, we worship the Lord and we thank God for his provision and all. And uh, the first round of, of checks has gone out and we're and we're going to be sending out the second half uh, here this week. And just to bless all these partners locally, nationally, internationally that are taking the message of Christ. And so it's going to be amazing to see God just bless these people. And um, we're going to watch watch and just sit back and hear the stories of life change that are going to come out of it. So as we continue on this morning, would you stand with me here in the auditorium? And then uh, I also want to say thank you for giving. Uh, You can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes here in the church. But God truly has been so good to us in church. Thank you for being faithful and giving, um, giving into the Lord and worshiping him. Let's pray and ask him to move. Lord God, we were gathered here in this building 
Lord, we could be gathered down the street in a different building, Lord, but when we know that when a bunch of people are gathered and we're all here for the same reason, God, we're here to lift up the name of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to open up your word. God, we're going to uh, sing uh, songs to, and worship you, to thank you for this life we've been given. God, to, to worship you for just who you are. God, there's, there are days when, you know, we, we may not see anything, Lord, uh, but we can say, thank you, God, for air. Thank you, God, for a roof over our head, for the warmth that we're experiencing in this building. God, we have to be thankful um, because the world is so unthankful <laughs> and so ungrateful, God, for, for life. Um, we're destroying life left and right. And, Lord, we want to praise you for life. We want to praise you for all that you do. And so, God, we praise you for who you are. God, you are God. You are creator, God. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. God, you are so big, yet you are so close. You are so present. And so this morning, God, we want to hear you. We want to experience you. God, we want to feel you. We want to understand what it means to know you personally and deeply. God, because the world needs to know you. There's no other answer for the destruction and the chaos that we see in our world other than Jesus Christ. And so, God, we proclaim that truth this morning as boldly as we possibly can. And, Lord, we pray for refuel. We pray for, um, uh, God, the, the prayer gathering tonight. God, we pray for just an incredible outpouring, Lord, of your spirit. Lord, tonight as we gather in prayer and worship you, God, would you show up in crazy ways, Lord, and just blow our minds, Lord, so that we could just we could look back after tonight, God, or even just after the next 15 minutes, God, whatever it is, that we could look back and just say there is no possible way other than God, the almighty God, moving. Lord, that we experienced you. There's no way we could look back and, and say that, we, that you did not touch us in an incredible way. It's all for you. We worship you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.
stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just a doorway to resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, I'll join you when you rise. When you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. My song will be we jump into our sermon this morning, I just want to stop and have prayer for a few things in our church here. Um, first of all, Carol Wyckoff, many of you know Carol Wyckoff, she fell yesterday and she's having a hip replacement right now as we speak in the, in the, in the operating room. So I want to lift her up in prayer today. She's a wonderful lady, been part of our church for, for many, many years. God is moving and uh, we appreciate the Wyckoffs so dearly. So I want to ask God to be with them today. I want to ask you to pray for the Matthews family, for Mick and Mindy and Jenny and, uh, and Jamie, their family. They, on the loss of Terry Matthews, Terry went home to be with the Lord this week. Uh, she was part of our church for a long, long time as well. So we're so thankful for her and know that she's in the presence of the Lord. But uh, I want you to pray for these families today as they're going through tremendous loss. Uh, Nicole Polinski on the loss of her mother. And uh, she, uh, they come to the 930 service. And so, Nicole, 
uh, lost her mother this week, and also Val Hamilton just a week or so ago lost her mother. And so Val's been part of our church for many years. Val serves faithfully downstairs. So um, I just want to lift up all those to the uh, all those things to the Lord. I want to at the same time give thanks, man. That one sixty-two and that wonderful one hundred sixty-two thousand dollars came in for that birthday gift to Jesus. Let's thank God for that again. God is so good. If God's still prompting on your heart to give, you can continue to give. After next Sunday, all the checks are going to roll out of here. So we've, as Luke said, the, the first 100000 went out, and then whatever comes in up until next, next Sunday, that will all be going out to help them as well. We'll just we'll cap it at next Sunday. So what a great God we serve. Amen? Who would think that God would do that in our little church? Because we have a great big God is what it is. Amen? So God is moving, and he's doing tremendous things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, though, and let's lift up these requests. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and our hearts are overwhelmed today thinking of Carol, Lord. We love Carol. Um, Lord, she's been a faithful servant of yours, Lord. I heard that she still serves downstairs on Wednesday night with our children. And uh, well up into in over 80. And so, God, I thank you for her faithfulness to you. Thank you for her faithfulness to serve you and to love you and to honor you and to adore you, Lord. So, God, right now we ask you to put your hand upon Carol and her family, Lord, as they are there with her and uh, with for Jim as uh, he's by her side, Lord. So, God, we just ask that you uh, allow the surgery to be successful and that she will be able to recover and do very well afterwards, Lord. But we thank you that we have you to call on in all these circumstances, Lord. We, we lift up these grieving families to you today, Lord. For the Matthews family, we thank you for, for Terry. What a wonderful lady she was here in our church, Lord. And now she's in the presence of God Almighty. Lord, I ask that you will move mightily in, ter- in Terry's family now, Lord, as, uh, as they pick up the pieces and move forward. I pray for the Polinsky family, Lord, for Nicole and the loss of her mother. And their family, I ask that you will move in a mighty way, Lord. And also for Val Hamilton's family on the loss of her mother, Ruth. God, um, we know that there are many others that we cannot share right now. There are uh, other people that are pending doctors and pending test results. There's so many things that are happening in our church family right now, Lord. We lift them up and we ask you to move mightily and, and do what only you can do, Lord. God, we celebrate that 162,000. Only you could do that, Lord. You are our provider. You are our rock. And I thank you for what you have done here in this church, God. Um, Thank you for prompting the people to give, to bless your name, that we can bless the world. So, God, uh, be honored and adored today as we open up your word now and we look into your word and we grow into a deeper uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we've been going on the 21 days of prayer, I want to encourage you to come out tonight. Uh, We are going to have a time of prayer and worship. So this is a night of prayer and worship. We're going to get together, and our band is going to be here. I've asked all of our deacons to be here. We're going to gather. We are going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to honor him. I'm not going to preach a 30-minute sermon. Actually, I never preach a 30-minute sermon. They're more like 40, aren't they? But I'm not going to be here preaching tonight. We're going to open up God's Word. Uh, We're going to use some verses, and we're going to pray together. We're going to seek the face of the Lord together tonight. So I want to invite you to come on out. Um, Your kids are invited to be in the service with you. Uh, It will be a fast-moving service. The hour will go by rather quickly. 
And as we, as we sing and as we pray, there'll be maybe one point. I know we're talking, maybe the kids will have a, a special prayer time of their own, maybe into the foyer. We'll take them out there for, for just a few moments where they can have something special. So we're trying to make this a, a, a place. And listen, we, we haven't done one of these in many, many years, but we know it's the right thing to do. And that's what we're, God's calling us to do. We, we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's right. So God's calling us to do it. And so I want to encourage you to come on out tonight if you're available, if you can do it. There's no Steeler game tonight. I was thanking God for that. Maybe I prayed that happened last week, right? But uh, I was like, Lord, please, if they're in the playoffs next week, I'm going to have to move the prayer time, right? But uh, I just want to, I want you to know that uh, we will be here and we'll be seeking the Lord. If you have a request you'd like for us to pray over tonight, take the blue Connect card and write it on the, write your request on the blue Connect card. And you can put it in the offering box or give it to the Welcome Center, and we will pray over your request tonight. Um, We are going to seek the Lord. We're asking God to shake us. We're asking God to move heaven onto earth. Thy will be done. And so that's what we're coming to do tonight. And so as we do that, I want to remind you of the, the importance of prayer. I know that you have been doing the 21 days with me. Some of you started on January the 1st with your book. Others started on the 7th like I did, and you're, you're, uh, you're around day 15 right now, right? Today's day 15 if you did that. So people have been asking me, what do I do next? And I want to tell you, take that book and start over. Because the first time you caught it, like, wow, it's so amazing. Now let's go back and grow deeper into each one of those prayers. Because it's all the Bible in there. As you're reading it, you're just seeing God's Word, God's Word, God's Word. And so as you take God's Word and you learn to pray it, God will transform. He will continue to transform. So I'm thrilled what God is doing in our church. People are coming up to me and sharing with me some of the, some of the powerful answers to prayer, what God, how God has moved in their life. And I've shared with you that I had a day where I saw God do about three big things. And then I started paying attention. God's doing many things all day. Every day, God is always speaking, he's always moving, and he's always answering. But one day in particular, I said, wow, those were three massive things. God, I asked you for direction, I asked you for guidance, I asked you for clarity, and God did. I was like, okay. And for me, it happened to be the day that I was fasting. And I, always, and I told you last week, when, when you're not eating, you get, God gets your attention a little bit more. And so I'm, I'm trying to grow in that area. So I want to encourage you, keep praying. Keep praying with your spouse. Keep praying with your kids. Keep praying with your friends. Ladies, get another lady in the church to pray with. Make an appointment and pray. Get somebody who's older than you. Young ladies, get an older lady who can help you weather the storms, help you go deeper into Jesus Christ. Men, get another man. Men, look for an older man. Get somebody who says, you know, go look at some of these, these gray hairs around. Or no hairs, okay? And let's look around and say, hey, listen, these guys, I want, I want you to pray with me because there's something you can do to encourage me. And, and don't have a gossip fest. Get a God fest, okay? Get a God fest. Just get together and pray and seek the name of the Lord God Almighty. Martin Luther said this. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It is no more possible to be a Christian without prayer than to be alive without breathing. And yet, sometimes we say, well, I didn't pray today. Hudson Taylor says, it is, it is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. You know, you can see God change hearts just by praying for somebody. And God does that. 
And I don't believe that's the only thing we're supposed to do because God calls us to pray and then we work. Pray and we work. So God's going to lead us to go talk to people and go encourage them. But as you pray and you seek the Lord, what God does, all of a sudden he begins to answer prayers. So you pray for somebody and God begins to work on their heart. God is the one who changes people. I have found that I can't change anybody. Nobody. I can come to you and tell you everything right to do. God must change your heart for you to follow him and obey him. That takes the pressure off of me. But my responsibility is to come and pray. Uh, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. That's by E.M. Bounds. And then Billy Graham. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He said, to get nations back on their feet, we must get on our knees. To get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. And so I want to encourage you today in prayer because, you know, many times you'll, you'll hear those statements and you'll say, okay, well, I don't pray, I don't pray enough, and you start to get overwhelmed. And I want you to catch it because we've been talking a little bit about this, that prayer is actually a delight. It is a delight, and it's a delight that many people miss. Many people will say they pray, and then they never pray. Others will say, man, I feel bad that I don't pray enough. Others will say, man, I just don't pray, and I feel guilty. Take all the guilt out of the picture. Take it all off the table and meet with the Lord. Come and meet with the Lord. And I want you to catch this. Prayer is the key to joy. Prayer is the key to joy. Would you say that with me? Prayer is the key to joy. If, uh, if you want to have a joyful life, prayer is necessary. You can't have a joyful life without prayer. Life has got so many problems. It's got so many burdens. And if you're going to be able to navigate through all of this, you have to understand what prayer is. And look what Philippians chapter 4 says here. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, that first phrase is a really hard phrase, isn't it? Do not worry. I think we are all prone to worry. When we hear something bad comes, what do we do? We go to worry. We worry. We worry. We worry. And so that's what typically happens. We're looking at the world. We see that, man, things are bad. We see there's a bad situation I have to deal with. And we go to worry. Worry will shred your mind. James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so what happens is when you start worrying, you take your mental health and you destroy it. That's exactly what we do. And so God says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love it. God never tells us to stop doing something and doesn't give us the right thing to do, does he? He says, stop worrying, but pray. Tell God exactly what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So come in and tell him what you need. I was with somebody yesterday, and they were explaining to me that they've got a pretty significant issue going on it's a health crisis and uh, and they were talking with their spouse about the health crisis that the spouse was going through and there will be test results that will come back this week and they've been taking the 21 days of prayer and they've been taking the the messages that we've been giving and this person looked and told their spouse honey just ask just ask just ask god and so we're 
We're going to leave that all in the hands of God. We don't know how those results will come back. They may come back bad. They may come back good. But we are called to ask. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. That's a little bit of what we're going to do tonight. We're going to come here. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to tell him what we need. And we're going to thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. I think most people want the peace of God without the presence of God. Like God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Isaiah said. And many people, they just want the benefit of God without being with God. And in, in Philippians here, Paul's telling us, he says, don't worry, pray. See, what happens when I'm not worrying? I'm coming to the presence of God. I'm praying. It's not just, hey, stop this. It's, look, this is stopping you from praying. You can't worry and pray at the same time. Did you catch that? You can't worry and pray at the same time. Because if God's God, you're coming to him. So what we do is we come to him and we say, God, I need your peace. Then you will experience God's grace. His peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. People will wonder, why are you so calm? Your whole world is falling apart around you. I'm following God. I've been praying. And the world will say, what are you talking about? It says it will exceed anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind. You know what that is? That's your thoughts and your emotions. He will guard that. Listen, your thoughts evoke emotions. So he's going to guard your heart and your mind. He's going to help you uh, as you live in Jesus Christ. So as we walk in Jesus Christ, we're called to not, to not worry but to pray. As you go through the Bible, you'll find that there are over 370 times that prayer is referenced in the Bible. People praying, different forms of prayer. 370 times. It's all over the book that you're carrying in your hand. I want to show you uh, 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 the, the early church, just a little snapshot of the early church. You know, this is like if we were looking at the early church and we were looking up their Facebook page or their, their Instagram page, right, or whatever it is out there, right? So as you're looking at their social media, this is what you would see. And look at what you would see in the early church. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says that they devoted. That means prioritized and committed to it. They devoted. They had the priority of these four things. The apostles' teaching, that is the Bible. So the the apostles would give God's word, and now we have the completed God's word. So we share the Bible. This church is a Bible-believing church. You will never find something in our sermons or even in a song here that does not come from this book. Amen? We will never walk away from this. This is the truth. Our church is tremendously strong on this. He says to the apostles, teaching to fellowship. That means they spent some life together. They like started to do life together. They, they phone called each other. Well, I guess they didn't have phones back then, right? So uh, they, 
They, they talked to each other. They spent time with each other. You know, fellowship is much more than, than getting a, a, you know, a little church coffee out in the foyer. It is so much more than that. It is getting into each other's life. It's starting to spend time. And, you know, you can't do that with everyone. We're a large gathering, and God is growing our church. I am so excited about what God is doing. You can't do that with everyone, but you can do it with someone. And I want to encourage us all to find your place. Get in there. Apostles teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread. That's the Lord's Supper. Here in our church, we now celebrate the Lord's Supper once a month. And as we open up and we we take that together, we're worshiping the Lord. Other people believe that that also includes eating together. And I'm okay with either one of those, right? So we can eat together, but also when we come and we do the Lord's table together, we take of the, the bread and the body. Why? It brings us back to Christ. That's what it's all about. And then it says to prayer. They're devoted to prayer. Seeking the Lord's face. And here's what happened. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. So in the next snapshot, so in one snapshot you'll see people praying, and the next snapshot you'll see people going, wow, I can't believe what God just did. God's answering, God's moving. And so it says that they were filled with awe, with awe, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to everyone as he needed. That's a tight group of people. That's not like, well, I don't know if I can make it today. I'm going to sell off my shoes for you. I'm going to sell off my motorcycle, which I never had one. <laughs> I'm going to sell that off because I see that you have a need. Like, like only God can do this, and you do this when you get centered on prayer, God's Word and prayer, and we come together, and it's like, man, I'm coming to Jesus. So they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone that had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, I want to encourage us as a church, let's take these things, let's go. Break the bread together. Man, he says they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. So they enjoyed favor of the people. And what did God do? God, the Lord, added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was 120 in the first opening of the church. When we talk about the early church, about 120 people there. It is believed that in a 10-year span, it grew to over 100,000 people in 10 years. Like, this is what God did. And it wasn't a building that they came to. It was a movement of God. They were in the temple courts. They were in houses, in temple courts and houses. And they did all this, and they, they were known as the way. You know what they did? Let me just give you a few thoughts here about the early church. They prayed regularly. That was what they did. They prayed regularly. Notice it says they were devoted to prayer. Man, whenever, whenever the apostles, after Jesus had risen from the dead, Jesus has, has now risen, he's ascended into heaven, and this group of 120 people, they're gathered together, and what did they do? They got together and they prayed. Look what it says in Acts 1.14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
And then he goes down and makes a list of some of the people that were there. What was it? They, were to, they all met together. They were constantly united in prayer. Um, whenever they had to make a decision, they had to make a decision. Judas was one of the twelve. Judas had betrayed Jesus. Judas went out and hung himself. So now they had to replace him among the twelve. So what did they do? Look here in Acts one twenty four. They prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us which of these two that you have chosen. They had a good decision to make, and they said, Lord, teach us, show us your will. They came and they asked the Lord. They didn't go on their own strength. They asked the Lord. Um, Acts chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Here's what was happening. There was, uh, there was conflict in the church. You know, conflict happens from time to time, doesn't it? Um, that's just part of being humans. When there's, when there's humans together, we, we all love God, but we're human. And so sometimes we step on each other's toes. We don't mean to do it, but sometimes it hurts when somebody steps on your toes. And so here's what was happening in the, in the early church. The very first conflict, check this out, was that the widows weren't being cared for properly. You had this movement of former Jews and now Gentiles, and we're putting them all together here as they're trying to follow God. And so as this movement of the, of, of, of the new way, you had people that came from the Jewish descent, and then you had the non-Jewish descent, all the, all the Gentiles. That's where we would be, right? And so what was happening is that it looked like the Jewish ladies were getting more attention than the Gentiles. Or the Gentiles were getting more attention than the, than the Jewish. And they went back and forth. And so here's what they did. They stood up and they said, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what we're called to do. Like, so as the apostles, so the leaders of the church, they said, We need more people to help feed the widows. There was, there was only 12 apostles. They couldn't possibly keep up with the rapid growth that was happening. Sometimes I feel like that in the church. There's no way I can keep up with everything in this church. I can't. God is doing something far bigger than I am. Amen? And so what this means is God has gifted you, the church. And it means everybody. We all come together and we plug in. We serve. We help. We do things. And, and so today there's many, many people in our church are taking care of widows. Roger Metcalf is one of our deacons. He normally sits right over there on the first hour. Um, Roger has gone and has prayed with the sick in our church for the last several years. He goes, he is like clockwork. He is a machine. He will show up at their house. He will knock on their door. He will take them. He loves to take them chocolate. It's a little secret there, okay? As he visits the widows and those that are sick, he gets some candy bars, and they're like, oh, I, I was with him one time, and, you know, I saw one lady, she, I thought, man, she's not going to make it. And he goes, well, do you want this candy bar? She goes, oh, yeah, okay. And listen, he loves them is what I'm saying. He loves them. And it is bigger than what the pastor can do. I can't meet all the needs. And, and so we need everybody in the church to be able to meet the needs of the people. And so that's what God's rising up in our church. But it must start with prayer. You see, the responsibility of the pastor and the, the leaders of the church is to pray. Pray. It's the responsibility of the whole church now. We're to lead the church in prayer and ministry of the word. So the biggest things that are going to happen in our church are going to come from the Word and from prayer. And so we have been extremely strong on the Word. And now it's time to grow in the area of prayer. 
First Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray continually. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Uh, one pastor friend of mine says it like this. Push. Pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. I want to encourage you. Pray until something happens. Don't ever give up on God. And here, here he's talking about praying, like, continuing without stopping praying. So what that does not mean, that does not mean I am sitting with my eyes closed all day and I'm having a nonstop talk. It means that, okay, I've had my time with the Lord and I'm going to continue the conversation. It's, it's very similar to how, I, how you would be with your husband or your wife. You would, uh, maybe after you've gotten into work, you get a text from your wife or from your husband. It says, hey, I hope you hope you made it safely. I saw the roads were bad, right? So you keep that conversation going. And then at lunchtime, you, you check in with your wife. Hey, how's it going? Um, or, or you send a text or whatever, however it works for that relationship. And so you are able to keep that conversation going. And that's what we're to do with God. We start out with prayer. And we make it a regular part of our life. Look what R.A. Torrey says. He says, pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. And so this is the call of the church. This is the call of every Christian. We are called to pray. You know, in the, in the early church, they, were, they prayed on a regular basis. And as a matter of fact, it was part of their customs that they would pray look at acts 3 1 one day peter and john were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon so what did these folks do they were former jews they had been into a custom of prayer the jews would pray at nine in the morning i believe it was noon and at three in the afternoon there were multiple times that they would gather together to pray they would stop and they would gather together to pray Tonight, we are going to gather together and pray. We're going to stop and pray. That's what they did there. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So we see this as a regular part of their life. And what, 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 here's what happened with the early church. They, they had this custom because they had the Old Testament. And they knew the scriptures and they knew how to, they knew how to have these prayers. And all of a sudden, God took and said, I'm going to open your eyes. And their eyes were open, and they could see Jesus all over the Old Testament. They would pray these messianic prayers to God. They would thank him for who he is. And so all those prayers had new meaning now, and God was doing something new in their life. Prayer was their first reaction. As, uh, and, and I want to encourage us, let prayer be our first reaction. You know what we do? We take matters into our own hands. And most of the time when you do that, you make a terrible decision. Prayer was their first reaction. Their first reaction whenever anything happened was prayer. Peter was in prison, man. You know what they did? Acts 12.5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was being offered to God for him by the church. So God was moving. Like the church got together. Peter's in jail. What did they do? The first thing that they did was the most powerful thing that they could do. They went to prayer. They didn't go to picket. They didn't go to protest. You know, we're so, we're in our world, we're so, like, Americanized that that's what we do. The first thing we do is we're going to go protest. Well, when's the last time we got on our knees and prayed for our country? When's the last time that we prayed about the issues that are happening in our world? 
There are many issues that is happening in our world that, that are, as they're happening out there, man, we're saying our culture is walking far away from God. When was the last time we got on our knees and asked God to save the culture? Instead of condemning it, instead of picketing, instead of just being, and what we do, we've not had any prayer. And we've gone out and we've, all we're doing is letting our anger out. God says, I want you to come and I want you to pray. Imagine they didn't, as they're coming to, for Peter, they're praying. They're saying, Lord, we're praying on behalf of Peter. Prayer should be our first reaction, not the last resort. I've heard many people say, well, if all else fails, pray. Really? <laughs> really? If all else fails, pray. Wow. Typically, the first thing that we should do uh, typically, the first thing that we end up doing is the last thing that we try to do. And so I like what Corey Temboom said. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And just think about that. Just let that sink in. Um, here's a prayer from the early church, Acts 4, 24 through 31. The early churches, they got together. Here's what was happening was... Um, Peter and John had actually been imprisoned again. They got left out again. Uh, they were released, but there was pressure from the authorities to not preach the gospel because it was like, if you continue to preach the gospel, we're just going to take you out. And so look what happened here, Acts 4.24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. So when they heard the pressure from the authorities, they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. What they did there, that, uh, what you just saw is highlighted there, that they were taking and they were reading back scripture from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Why did they do that? Because it was a messianic psalm. It told us who that Jesus is, that he's the Messiah. And they end up praying it back in the midst of their, uh, of their prayer. For truly, verse 27, for, for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed with both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Notice how they're praying. Lord, you came and you were put on that cross, Pontius Pilate and Herod, and you put all those people there. You, they, they were there to do what you wanted. It was a horrific death. Death on a cross? And the early church is praying and saying, God, they put you there for your purposes, whatever your purpose was to be done. Now, Lord, verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats against us now and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. He doesn't say, look what he says there. He says to pray for boldness. He doesn't say that they won't die. He says, pray, God, the, the church here is praying for boldness that we may speak the word of the Lord. 
By stretching out your hand, Lord. Do this by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And I've often thought, I think God is looking for a church that will pray because he wants to shake the place. You know, sometimes the place gets shaken around here. The bass gets turned up a little too loud. (laughs) The kick drum hits a little hard that day, right? Let me tell you, I think God wants to use us to shake this town. And when the Holy Spirit is evident, and he is evident, he's been evident here, amen? You have seen the power of of a holy God, and his Holy Spirit is here indwelling every believer. And as we come and we follow him and we meet with him, the place will be shaken. Look at that. The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so what happened? They went out and they stayed on the mission to speak the word of God boldly. Not ignorantly. Boldly. Thus says the Lord. You know how they prayed? I'm going to give you a few thoughts on how they prayed here. It was honest. They prayed an honest prayer. They didn't come in with flowery words. They didn't come in and and it wasn't this great. They took a couple verses that they had known growing up in the Jewish faith. And they included it in their prayer to God. But they they prayed and they were honest with God. And then then they moved to God. They started with God. Not only were they honest, but they started their prayer with God. And and I want you to catch it because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. When Jesus said, this is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Everybody wants to skip over that. But it's the most important part of your prayer. The absolute most important part of your prayer is to start with God. God, you are holy, you are just, you are mighty, you are all-powerful. And, and, and look what they did there. It says, uh, verse 24, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They had a perspective of who God is. And they understood his might and his power. And so they started there. Why did Jesus tell us to start with God? God already knows he's all-powerful. You're not telling him something new. But you know what you're doing when you pray that way? A, he loves to hear it. He absolutely loves to hear it. And B, you are, you are hearing it. And you are affirming, you are growing your faith to understand that God is bigger than all of my problems. He's bigger than anything. And let me just say it like this. I'll give you this little illustration. If you were, if your driveway was covered with snow, right? And you needed somebody to shovel out your driveway. Would you go over to the the guy in your neighborhood who's like 89 years old and he's walking with a walker? Would you go over to him and say, would you help shove him my driveway? Is there anybody that would do that? Why not? Because you know that he can't do it. And many people come to God just like that. They don't recognize who he is. They are consumed with their problem. 
They don't think that they're ever going to get any better. It's never going to get better. You ever say that? It's never going to get better. It's overwhelming. God's never going to answer. That's not how you come to God. You come to him and say, God, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Jeremiah prayed, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult. There's nothing too hard for you. Consider this. You're one of eight billion people on the planet earth right now. Earth is pretty big, isn't it? Uh, Earth is 8,000 miles in diameter. The nearest sun is 93 million miles away. The nearest star, the sun, is 93 million miles away. It's so big that if it were hollow, you could put 1.2 million Earths inside of the sun. And that's just a little sliver of the Milky Way galaxy. 10,000 light years wide by 100,000 light years long. And that's just one of billions of galaxies. Listen, you're hearing scientists discover uh, with all these telescopes, they're finding more and more galaxies. And guess what? God says that he measures all this by the palm of his hand, by the width of his hand. When I was a kid, we used to sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. He got the whole billions and billions and billions of galaxies in his hand. And he wants to answer your prayer. You think you don't have anything to ask of God. Come before him and say, Lord God, there is nothing too difficult for you. Um, Their prayer was balanced. That was a balanced approach to prayer. They begin with adoration, and then they move to their request. They move to confession. They move uh, confessing who he is, and then they go into their request. So don't get in the habit of treating God like it's an emergency room visit. Come before him and honor him. This is who you are. And so always start your prayer there. Their prayer was specific. Lord, let them be bold speakers for Jesus. I mean, they were just, just bold. They, were, they came before the Lord and they asked them. And you know what God did? God gave them specific answers. And I want to encourage you to do that. Their prayer... Specific prayers will get specific answers. And so don't ever stop praying. Pray until something happens. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. James 5.16 says that the, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That means that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. A man or woman who will seek God has powerful and effective prayer. Not because of who you are, but because of who you're praying to. And never forget that, folks. Never forget that. As we wrap up this morning, I want to remind you that James 5.16, if you were to continue to read there, James actually references Elijah. And we prayed that prayer this week, the prayer of Elijah. Elijah was calling upon God. There was the prophet Elijah... And then there were 950 false prophets. The 950 false prophets versus the one man with, uh, for God, Elijah. And so they had this duel. And it was like, if you can call down fire from heaven, we'll think, we'll consider that that's, that he's God. But if you can call down fire from heaven on your altar, then we will see that he is God. And so they had this duel. And, and, uh, and, uh, 
And Elijah, he takes it a step further. He covers his altar with water. So he's got all this wood. He's got all this stuff on it. And he pours water all over it. And then here's what had happened. This is what's really crazy. Those people that were praying, all those false prophets, there were 950 I'm sorry, 950 false prophets, they were praying for hours. So take hours of prayer times 950 people. There's thousands of hours being prayed over here, and over here is one man. And look what he does. He comes up and he prays at the time of the sacrifice, verse 36, 1 Kings. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today. See how he starts with God? Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. And here's his prayer. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. And look what his reasoning is. So that they will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. Lord, it's for your glory. And I want to encourage you. As Dave really said in our book, how big is God? He's big enough. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trenches. Yes. God always wins. He always wins. I think there's a lot of false prophets out there. They're praying long prayers. And they're not even really talking to anybody. And there's no power. You want to know the difference between a real Christian? Where's the power? God gives us power. And we don't always get every victory, by the way. I believe some of the greatest power is to see God work in spite of the problems. But let me tell you what happened with Elijah. Those people prayed and prayed and prayed. Man, they had no power because they weren't, their gods were dead. But when you and I come before the Lord and we meet with him, simple prayers. Lord, answer me. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, as we close our service, and uh, I'm going to ask Rhonda to sing a song here in just a moment. And as she's singing, I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you just to seek the Lord and start with the fact that he's God, that he's almighty, he's all-powerful. Go to the Lord first and then give your request to him. We're going to open up the altar this morning. Maybe you'd like to come and kneel at the altar here. This is just a few steps on the front of the church here. Um, I'm going to encourage you. Maybe that's what God's tugging on your heart to do at this moment. But I'm going to ask you to meet with God Almighty. Father God, we come before you and I thank you that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And the beginning point of all this prayer is to have a friendship with God. Jesus, I thank you that you 
allowed me to have a friendship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I believe in this room this morning, God, that there are probably a number of people that need to start that relationship with you. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer today. You can repeat it after me to God, but just let God know, I want to start this relationship with you, and I'm trusting you. You can pray something like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need you to be my Savior. Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin, and you rose again. I invite you into my life right now, God. Thank you for allowing me to talk to you for the rest of my life. Thank you for giving me heaven as my home. Thank you for giving me Jesus as my Savior. And for all of us today, as we close, would you pray? And let's just meet with the Lord today and see what God will do. In Jesus' name I pray.
thankful today for the Lord. Let's thank God we can talk to Him directly. We've got a hotline. I want to encourage everyone, come on back tonight. This is a rare thing that we do. I want to encourage you to be here tonight at 6. And then I have one other announcement. There are a bunch of poinsettias up there and a few more they're going to bring out. If you would like to take one to a good home, please take them because they're not going to last in the church much longer, okay? So if you can take it and doctor it and water it or give it as a gift to somebody, God will encourage you by not throwing them away, okay? Hey, let's stand together. Well, you're already standing, all right? Greet each other. God bless you. You are dismissed. Come and grab a poinsettia.